Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org. Good morning for today's Every Day is Earth Day. We are talking to Brianna Parr-Baker. She is an energy auditor at Minnesota Valley Action Council. Good morning, Brianna. Good morning. So first we should probably define what the Minnesota Valley Action Council is and does. So Minnesota Valley Action Council is the community action agency for the nine counties around Mankato. Um, So we provide a, a variety of services designed to help People and communities kind of get back on their feet in terms of economic needs and things like that. So we administer a lot of different programs, things from energy to homeless prevention to housing programs to Head Start to employment programs. And we also run thrift stores in Mankato and New Orleans. Now, your title officially is Weatherization Auditor. And you said we could also call you energy auditor. But when you when I think weatherization, I always think of winter things, which we've talked to you in the past about how to make your house more energy efficient so you don't waste heat, et cetera. But it's summertime, and it's still something we need to think about. So maybe we refer to it as energy auditor. What does that mean? What do you do, and why is it important in the summer months? Yeah, you're exactly right. So, you know, it costs money to heat our houses. And it also costs money to cool our houses. And a lot of those same ideas about keeping the heat in your house in the winter apply to your house in the exact same way in the summer. So what I do as an energy auditor is I go into people's homes and I do evaluations to figure out what work can be done to make that household more energy efficient and to therefore save the homeowners some money on their energy bills and to make them more comfortable in their houses. You know, we've, we've all been there. You know, when a house is drafty, it's it's uncomfortable. So a lot of times when we make those improvements, it not only saves us money, but it can also make us more comfortable in our homes. You know, when I grew up, we were on the farm. We never had air conditioning, so I really never even knew what air conditioning was. We just used giant fans, and in the barn between the cows, it was dreadfully hot. And in the hay mow, (laughs) it was probably 130 degrees up there. But you just sort of dealt with it. But it seems today staying cool is more of an important issue as is getting air conditioning. Yeah, and and you're right. And part of that is, you know, over the years, our summers actually have been getting warmer in Minnesota. So so it is true that those temperatures, um, especially those extreme temperatures, you know, things like this week where even though it's only June, it's in the 90s for a week straight, those sort of things are happening more frequently. You mentioned fans. You know, in, in Minnesota, you know, we've, We've all heard on a a cold winter day, right? You know, we've probably even said ourselves like, man, it wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't for that nasty wind, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) We, you know, in Minnesota, we understand that effect. We know that that moving air helps us to feel cooler. So we can use that same concept in the summer by using fans. That that's a great thing to do. Running a fan costs less money, uses less electricity than using an air conditioner. One thing that I always like to remind people about fans is that fans cool people. They don't actually cool a room. So running a fan isn't actually going to lower the temperature of the room. And the reason that that is important is if if you leave that room, make sure you turn that fan off. 
because if you're not in the room, it's not doing you any good. So that's just one helpful thing to remember about fans. Well, that's good to know because I always just assumed that it was moving the air, so it must be cooling. But you're right. If if it's cooling you because it's yeah. it's evaporating the, I guess, perspiration off you or something is happening yep. like that? Yep, that's exactly right. All right, so yep. here's the deal. A lot of folks have ceiling fans, and I know there's a, some rule of if it's clockwise in the summer or counterclockwise <laughs> in the winter, which is it so people can know? Because I know one pulls the hot air up and one pushes the cool air down. You know, Karen, I knew you were going to ask that, so <laughs> I actually Googled it to make sure I got it right. Good. <laughs> because I was, I thought I knew, but I wanted to be confident. So, um, and I checked a couple different places to make sure I was right. In the summertime, you want to set your ceiling fans to run counterclockwise. Counter in the summer. And when it's running counterclockwise in the summertime, that's when it's pushing air down, so you get that downdraft and that cooling effect. So in the summertime, set your ceiling fans to counterclockwise. Um, and it sort of, you know, some ceiling fans, they have a little switch right on kind of the center, that motor of the fan. Um, some newer ceiling fans might have an option on a remote. Um, but, you know, if, if you have to, you can usually see it, but if not, you can look at your manual and it'll usually tell you how to switch that function. Okay, I'm glad you, you knew that because I always forget that too. So counterclockwise yeah. in the summer, good to know. What is yep. one of the most, I guess, high users of energy in the summer? What what causes the most uh, high energy use? Yeah, yeah. So in Minnesota, uh, you know, across the year, about half of our energy costs go to heating or cooling the air in our houses. So, you know, of course, in the wintertime, that biggest user is heat. But in the summertime, it's absolutely air conditioning. It's absolutely cooling our spaces. So, and that, that's important to know. And there are a few things that we can do about that. You know, on, on, on some of those more mild days, mm-hmm. when it gets cool at night, sometimes it's a great option to open your windows at night let that cool air in, and then in the morning when it starts to heat up, then close those windows to kind of keep that cool air in as long as we can. And sometimes that means your air conditioner doesn't need to kick on until mid-afternoon. A couple other, you know, things that you can do that don't cost you any money, you know, um, in the summertime when it's really bright and sunny, pull those shades or close those blinds and try to prevent some of that direct sunlight from getting into the house and and warming it up. the other thing that I often just like to remind people about is when you do have your air conditioner running, just maybe take a lap around your house and check all your windows. Oh. You know, it's really easy for one window to just get left open, you know, or not quite latched all the way or something like that. It's just a good idea. Just take a lap around, make sure all those windows got closed because, you know, if we're paying money to, to run that air conditioner, the last thing we want is that for that cold air to literally go right out an open window. You know, one of the things that you mentioned, open the windows at night, but sometimes it's not so much the temperature as the humidity that is the issue. Yeah. Yep. You're so, you're, it's so true. You know, sometimes that's a really good option in, on, in those spring or, or fall days when, when the humidity is not as high. You're exactly right. It really depends on the day. Um, sometimes it's a good option and sometimes it's not. So what, when you go to houses to do assessments for energy loss, what is one of the most common things you see that people have or, or don't have that creates the, the worst situation in terms of, of summer energy loss? Yeah, 
Um, well, a, a couple things. It, it really does vary so much from, from house to house. Um, in the work that I do, we can do some really big things. You know, we can go up into attics and seal up holes and add insulation. Those things make a huge, huge difference. But there are so, you know, there are also a lot of other smaller things that, that everyone can do in their house to really help. Um, and one really important thing is to, to maintain your, your furnace and or air conditioner. Um, you know, if we take care of them, they can last longer and run more efficiently. So one really basic thing, but really, really important thing is to make sure that your filter in your furnace stays clean. Um, if you have central air, um, it uses that same air handling system, and you need to make sure you're checking and changing that filter in the summertime, too. Um, one one tip that I use, and I think is really helpful for me, I just take my cell phone and I put a, a recurring calendar appointment oh. so that every month I get that reminder to go check my furnace filter. So that, that might be a good idea for some others. If you find yourself forgetting to go down into your basement and change your filter, just put a reminder on your phone, and that just helps to, to remember to do that. You know, Brianna, it's interesting um, you mentioned that because I really don't even think about the furnace filter because I, <laughs> when I think of the furnace, I think of heat. So I think, well, I only need to change it in the winter. But I guess you're right. It's it's using the same duct system. So is it more often, less often, the same number of, of times that you have to change it? Or how do you know? Yeah, it. so it's sort of, it depends on a few factors. Um, you know, if if you're using your central air a lot, um, and it's running a lot, I would check it just as often as your heat. Hmm. Um, if you're not using it as much, you maybe don't have to as often. But what I find to just be helpful is to just just check it every month. Maybe you don't need to change it that month in the summer, but still just, you know, get in the habit of checking it. And, um, and then you know. The other factor that really seems to make a difference, if you have pets inside the house, huh. you're probably going to need to change your furnace filter more often. Um, and that's not a problem, but, you know, we've got pet hair and, and all sorts of stuff in the air. And then it's just a good idea to change that filter more often. Um, uh-huh. You know, if if your furnace filter gets really dirty or even plugged up, your furnace can't get the air that it needs to run correctly. And that, that really is going to decrease the life of the furnace. Oh. And one nice thing about having a clean furnace filter is it also removes some of that dust from the air. So it can keep your, the air in your house a little bit cleaner and, and better for you to breathe. How about windows? Are, are new windows something that a lot of people need to think about in terms of, I think of winter, of course, losing the heat through, through poorly sealed windows. But in the summer, is it equally as important or is that sort of a, a bigger thing maybe that, that is more than some people can, can yeah. handle at a time? Yeah, it is still important. The thing about the thing about windows and really about about anything that you're considering in terms of saving energy in your house is that you have to both consider the savings and the cost. Ah. And the thing about windows is that the cost is so high, you know, that so you can get some savings, but you're also going to spend a lot of money to get that saving. Um, but comfort is a really big factor with windows also. So I, I'm never going to go out to everybody's house and say the first thing you should do is new windows. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, especially in older houses, it can be a, a really helpful thing to do. But there are so many of these other things that we can do that cost less money and still have big savings that 
I often talk with people about first. But but it's very true, especially if you've got older windows, that replacing your windows can be a helpful thing to do. Because in the winter, I always think of when I had an older house, I used to take that plastic shrink wrap and put it over, which mm-hmm. helped. I mean, is that the same premise in the summer or is it different? It is the same premise. You know, the thing that plastic wrap does is is prevent that draft, prevent mm-hmm. air from moving through. Um, and that, that concept is going to be the same in the summer. One thing you probably need to be careful about with plastic wrap in the summer is just to make sure that no moisture is oh. getting caught behind that plastic and rotting out your windowsills or anything like that. But that, that'll vary from house to house, so you could certainly give it a try. But if you notice any moisture issues, I'd very much take that plastic off. And you mentioned something about the attic with holes in the attic. Now, what are you talking about? Rat holes or, or how are we getting holes up there? Sure. So one of the most common things is when you have a chimney that runs up through your house and then through the attic and through the roof. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes when they're building those building assemblies, you know, there's just a, maybe it's just a two inch gap all the way around that chimney, but that works out to be about a square foot of leakage, you know, and that's just, that's just space that's directly open from the outside into your house. So things like around chimneys, things like around plumbing venting, you know, oftentimes you'll have that vent pipe from your sewer line that goes up through your attic and through your roof. That might be a circular hole, but they might have cut a square hole to run that circular pipe. Things like that are really common places where we can, you know, pull that insulation back, seal up that hole, and put the insulation back. You know, we we think about insulation being really important, and it is extremely important, but it's also really important to make sure that no air is escaping up into your attic because the insulation doesn't really stop that. So, you know, if if you do have an accessible attic and you feel comfortable going up there and checking some of that out, it can be a really, really helpful thing to seal up some of those, you know, cracks and holes. But it's not something that I, like, recommend everybody go go up into their attic right now and, and take care of that. So how do you test that? I mean, do you go up there, you know, in the winter they say take a, a candle and, you know, if you put it by your window and you see it, the draft, it'll move the flame. I mean, I don't want to be taking a candle up to my <laughs> my attic <laughs> for fear of starting a fire or something. What What is the trick? How do you tell? Like I said, I'm not, I'm not necessarily recommending that everybody goes up into their attic and check these things now because there are sometimes things in attics that aren't healthy for us to be around without right. the proper protection. Sure. Um, one thing I will say, and I wanted to make sure we talk a little bit about this today, is um, there has been some recent legislation, both on the state level and the federal level, um, that provides some rebates and incentives for a variety of energy efficiency type of things. And one of those things is you can get a tax credit for having an energy audit done in your home. Oh, So you could have someone like me, um, this, these are often offered through your utility, um, could have someone come out to your house and do an assessment. And that assessment will often include some of these things that I'm talking about. You know, someone who's trained and has the proper protective equipment mm-hmm. to go up into your attic, explore a few of those things, and then let you know what some high-priority things might be for you to do. So, uh, you, so this we'll le- this new legislation, you said that's a tax credit for an energy audit. So, now, you're through Minnesota Valley Action Council. Are there other independent agencies that do these audits, or how do you know where to go to get this done? Yeah, so one of the 
the biggest ways, the ways that this happened the most is through utility. Okay. Um, so um, if you have either Excel or CenterPoint or either gas or electric, um, their program is called the Home Energy Squad. Um, and the Home Energy Squad can send someone out to your house to do an energy assessment. Um, there are some other options. That's kind of the biggest one. Um, but what I recommend is call your call your utility, either your electric utility or your gas utility, and and see if they offer anything. Um, that's that's probably the best place to start. Um, this this legislation that I'm referring to right now is all part of the Inflation Reduction Act, um, which you have likely heard of over you know mm-hmm. the last year or so. That's federal legislation. Um, and what I what I found to be the most helpful resource for myself is a resource put together by the Clean Energy Resource Teams. Um, they're often referred to as CERTs, and that is a Minnesota organization. Um, they're kind of they're part of the University of Minnesota Extension and the Minnesota Department of Commerce and a couple other organizations. But they've put together a really helpful guide on all of the different tax credits and rebates and incentives that are part of the Inflation Reduction Act. Is this all online, or how do I find out the info? Yeah, so if I, I think the best way to find it is if, if you just Google Clean Energy Resource Teams, and then right on their website you'll see a link, you know, a button to press to go to their Inflation Reduction Act guide. And so with this this inspection or this this auditing, do you recommend everybody do it Regardless, I mean, in the winter, the spring, does it matter when you do it? And should everybody do it? I think it's a great idea. You know, it can give you a lot of good information about about what might be a high priority, Mm -hmm. what might be a medium priority, and what might be a low priority, which can be helpful for determining, you know, where should I start? An energy audit can also give you some helpful information about safety hazards in your home that you might not know about. I think it's a great idea for everyone, um, you know, just to, to have that third party come in and take a look and help you understand what might be helpful to do. Does it cost anything for an energy audit? It depends. Almost all of these utilities for, for low-income customers is often free. Okay. I do know the Home Energy Squad that I mentioned, which I said is available for Excel and CenterPoint customers. They have kind of a tiered system. Okay. So for low-income customers, it can be as, it can be free. They have kind of a basic energy audit, and then they have a little bit more comprehensive energy audit. And those do have a cost, but it's fairly reasonable. You had asked about time of year. Yeah. Um, for the most part, it doesn't matter time of year. We can still do a lot of the same tests and get a lot of the same information at any point throughout the year. Are there currently any programs like that you offer through MVAC? Because I know you offer the the heat assistance program, et cetera, in the winter. Are there similar type programs that are helpful in the summer, or is it just kind of only a winter program? In Minnesota, our energy assistance programs are still primarily heating-based programs. Um, over the past couple years, we have gotten approval to be able to do some air conditioner repairs and replacements, um, but it's still a fairly limited program. Um, the thing that I will mention is um, if if you are interested in something like that right now, um, the energy assistance program has closed for the year. You okay. cannot apply for the energy assistance program for this year right now. You'll have to wait until October when the new year starts. Um, but 
if you are receiving energy assistance and are connected with that program, we do have some availability to do some air conditioning related repairs and replacements. Um, I will let you know we have we have quite a long waiting list right now. So if it's a situation where you're in a crisis or not having air conditioning that's working right now, um, our programs are probably not a good fit because there there is quite a waiting list. So will you contact the county or something to learn how to access some other program? You certainly could. I am not familiar with other um, air conditioning-related assistance programs that are available, but, but it certainly could be worth asking. What other other things we should consider, Brianna, in terms of being energy efficient in the summer? I mean, obviously, we could all add solar panels to our house, you know, those sorts of things, but uh, they're just basic things, DIY things that would be helpful. Yeah, a couple things come to mind. Um, you know, we mentioned keeping an eye on that filter, make sure that stays clean. Mm-hmm. On a similar vein, the the outdoor condensing unit of our air conditioners, if you have central air, there's that unit that sits outside. Yeah. Um, it's important to keep that clean. Um, you know, sometimes when we mow our lawns or when the trees let go of their leaves, um, you know, lawn clippings or leaves can get mm-hmm. stuck in there. Sure. And it's really important to keep that clean so it can run most efficiently. So even if you take like a garden hose or or a broom or something like that to clean that out of the condenser, that's really important. Don't use like a power washer or something like that because we want to make sure not to damage those fins. Oh. Um, but just something fairly gentle to get that debris out of the condenser is important. Something else I learned being a gardener too is I had planted things around it and they get too close and you need to keep that, keep that area clear around there, I was told. So I had to remove some ferns yeah. and things. <laughs> Yep, that's exactly right. And and the reason for that is is how that unit works is the heat from your house that we're trying to get rid of, you know, we're cooling off the house. So it takes that heat and it pumps it outside to that outdoor unit. And then that fan in the outdoor unit blows it away to distribute that heat, to dissipate that heat. And if there are things too close for it, it can't get rid of that heat. So that you're exactly right. You want to make sure any shrubs or plants or trees are at least a couple feet away from that outdoor unit. One other thing that I recommend to people is do a little experiment with your thermostat. You know, maybe just if you normally keep it at 72, try 73 and just try it for a couple days and see how it feels. Um, Because, you know, every degree really does make a difference on your energy bill. It feels small, but it really does make a difference. So just give it a try with a degree or two and see if you're still comfortable. Because I think sometimes we get into habits and it's just, you know, like, well, I'm a person who keeps my house at 74 in the summertime. And just try that one or two degree difference and see if you're still comfortable. Because it will save you a few bucks every month every month. And if you can still stay comfortable, that's a worthwhile thing to do. You mentioned that you can save. Do you know how much you can save per degree? Is there any statistic to say, if you know, for every degree you have it lower or higher that you're going to save yeah. X percent or X dollars? Yeah, it's, the dollars are completely going to depend on the size of the house and the condition of the house and the rate that you pay for electricity. But I often hear numbers ranging from about five to 10 percent. Per degree? Or about a degree or two of difference. Whoa. Yeah, so it, 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 it certainly varies, but, you know, if, if if we, let's say we average that out and it's 8%, you know, you change your thermostat one or two degrees and you save 8 to 10% on your, your electric bill, you know, that certainly adds up every month. And how about, uh, this This is maybe a question, I don't know if you can answer or not, but some people, you know, you're gone all day, let's say you keep your house at, like we keep ours at 76, 
77 or 78. So we're a little warmer. Mm-hmm. But let's say you're gone all day. Would would Should you just turn off the air conditioning and then have it re cool down when you come back home? Do you save money that way? Or is it more energy to try and bring it back to the temperature you want? Or is there any rule with that? What I normally recommend is about a five degree difference. So say say when you're home and it's comfortable, um, you know, and you want it at 74, um, I would maybe during the day when you're gone, if it's a full day, bump it up to 78 or 79. If it gets much more than that, it just takes so long for it to oh. cool back down. Okay. Um, so what I normally recommend is about that five degrees. You gotcha. know, if you're gone for a full week, it could be different than that um, because then, you know, that's a full week that really adds up. But for like the work day, if it's eight hours or so, um, about five degrees is what I recommend. Um, two kind of caveats about that. One is... Um, Go, don't try to avoid really extreme temperatures. So if you do that and you come home and it's really hot in there, don't crank your thermostat down to 60 degrees <laughs> okay. because that's not actually going to make it cool down any faster. Sure. Um, it, it won't go any faster. So just, just set it to the temperature that you want. It'll, it'll still get there. It won't, it won't be any slower, um, but avoid those extreme temperatures. The other caveat is that this setback, what we're talking about, changing that temperature, is a good thing to do with furnaces and water or furnaces and air conditioners, but it's not recommended if you have a heat pump. So oh. if you have a heat pump installed, heat pumps actually work most efficiently and effectively at a consistent temperature all the time. So if you have a heat pump installed in your house, I don't recommend changing that temperature um, when you're gone, I recommend, you know, if you're gone for a week, you can still change it and bump it up. But if it's just for the workday or for a few hours, leave it at that consistent temperature. That's great advice. How about programmable thermostats? I think there's some that you can program. So you could say at a certain time, it would go five degrees lower while you're at work. Yep. Yep. And that's perfect. You know, it does the work for you. You don't have to think about it. Um, I'll also mention that many utilities also have rebates for programmable thermostats. Oh. So, um, so, you know, if you're considering putting in a programmable thermostat, make sure you check your web, the website for your utilities because um, you, can, you can often get a little rebate for doing that. Well, you've given us some great tips, Brianna. I want to thank you for your time. We've been chatting with Brianna Parbaker, who is the weatherization or energy auditor at Minnesota Valley Action Council and helps provide great tips and advice for folks to help them get a better bank for their buck and and make themselves more comfortable. Anything else before we go that you think is important to know for the rest of the summer? Just one thing to keep in mind, um, you know, if you do find yourself in the position where you need to replace a piece of equipment, whether that's your furnace or your air conditioner or your water heater or anything like that, Check out that guide that we mentioned, the Clean Energy Resource Team's guide on the Inflation Reduction Act, because there really are a lot of great rebates and incentives there. And if you're going to be replacing a piece of equipment anyway, make sure that you make sure that you're going to get all those rebates that you qualify for. So just make sure you check those out if you find yourself in the position of of buying a new piece of equipment or doing a big project. Great advice. Thank you so much, Brianna. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Karen. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA. More at mnvalleyfcu.coop.
And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org.